The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 58 of the MX Vice Show podcast. Here once again, talking about all things MXGP. A little bit about Supercross, but mostly MXGP. In the studio with me is Rob from Jukebox Beats, and on the line, as always, is the one and only MX Vice editor, Lewis Phillips. Hey, Lewis. Oh, the one and only? The one and only. Ah. Just give you a little bit of a build-up there, make you feel confident. Yeah, that's all right. Cheers. I appreciate that. That's fine. Brought to you by Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, Supercrosslive.tv, Backyard Design UK, Blenzel Oils, and Talon Engineering. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with a Formula helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula helmet has changed the game. And somebody's game was changed uh, this week as well, wouldn't they, Lewis? By winning... Who? Jacob Corder, I believe. Ah. Corber. Congrats. Corber? Con- congrats, Jacob. Jacob. You were and on the show last week. You did hear that. Like, like this, is, this isn't news to you. Uh, uh, well, you could have said any name and it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have even triggered a response from me. Okay. But that's cool. Was that from Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? He actually entered through all platforms because he, 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 he didn't know if... Um, that was a necessary step. Ah, so very good. So he emailed Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. But it was a complete randomizer. So that isn't why he won, people. It was literally a complete randomizer. And it just so happened to spit his name out. So he didn't, put, get, he didn't get four opportunities then. He just literally got the one and he was randomized. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Ah, cool. Yeah. I used a little randomizer this uh, last week for uh, even strokes. You also talked about that last week. Yeah, someone went away with a £600 pair of talons. Very happy. George was very, very happy. So big news this week. We kind of predicted it last week, but we were waiting. Obviously, we delayed the show by a day because we we knew this was uh, obviously going to be a good talking point. Do you want to go forth? Uh, Yeah, so the MXGP calendar is out, and I have strongly mixed feelings. Talk us through these feelings, Lewis. Would you like me to do five things I like and five things I dislike, or is that a bit much? Nope, I think that's, that's enough. No, I think that's a bit much. Nope. Five first, things you dislike. The first problem is right now we are 50 days away from Oman, but instead we are now 99 days away from Oz. So, that's so, you, were so close to an, you were so close to a man, and now it's double, double the length. I'm, um, 
That, that must hurt. It actually, it actually hit me hard yesterday when I saw the countdown clock change. I, bet I was like, oh no. Also, not to not to bum you out here, but um, I had a really nice hotel booked for a man. Did you? It, we're talking multiple swimming pools, and it was on the beach. You know that it probably would have cost you seventeen hundred and fifty pounds to get back into the country, though. The hotel was like tenner, so. <laughs> well, that kind of evens out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was on a beach. It was some it called something Palace, five stars. I was absolutely I'm, my plan actually, because obviously I didn't get to go to America. So my plan all along was to soften the blow of America. If I couldn't go, I would then do a week in Dubai before the first GP as a, like as a holiday to like say. Like commiserations on not going to America, Lewis. Here's your second prize, yeah. um, and now that's been taken away from me now. And it looks like third prize is a trip to the Netherlands. So no hanging out in a, in a man at all. No, no, uh, a man has actually been officially postponed to next year. So that's a uh, long gone. Oh, Which damn. I was looking forward to that. Like I've, I've said it many times. I like Qatar. I like the Middle East. I think it's a cool place. So I mean, I realise everyone else hates it, and I'm sure the track wouldn't have been great. But hey ho. You 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 do like it for other reasons, don't you? As well, because obviously there's not many women on the road driving and stuff like that. I didn't. I don't even know. Is that actually a thing in the Middle East? <laughs> no, because Qatar was good. I'm sure a man would have been as well. But anyway, moving on. So that's that's two things that have kind of bummed me out a little bit. Russia round okay. two. Oh. That's a no bueno from Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that because you're absolutely fine with Russia, aren't you? I mean, that's what you said on the podcast well, two, no, I, two I, I ago. I want to go, but I've already done a bit of research and it's so much effort. Like, oh my God, I've got to go to an embassy in London and they're not even giving out visas at the moment from what I could read. So it's like, well, well like, that's great. And I looked, I booked all my hotels last night except for Russia because I... I typed in Orleanop, Russia, and um, all of the hotels were were, effect, were like not even lying here. This is not said for joking purposes. All of the hotels were sheds, and belief each one, Booking.com had a little highlighted thing that said managed by private host. And I was like, hang on, managed by private host? That sounds sketchy. But that's really weird, because I found some really nice hotels uh, last year, which were literally on the... Lake or whatever it was, Lake. Yeah, Lake. worryingly, I can't find those because <laughs> I know what I know the ones you're talking about, and I cannot. Yeah. Find them, so, but yeah, they look beautiful. I've just kind of, I've just actually remembered another place to search in Russia, so mate, I'll look into that today. But I, I'm probably going to be in Russia because I can't miss the second round. No, that would be a little bit. Um, yeah, that that wouldn't be right. Especially okay, so that's the first thing I dislike. Okay, number four. Number numero four. The first round is on the 23rd of May. The second round is on the 13th of June. That's, that's a two-weekend off period between the first two rounds. I'm going to need us to tighten that up a little bit. Like, oh my God, it's round one. It's so exciting. So much has happened. See you all in three weeks. Like, no, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work for me. And number five. I'm not sure I have a fifth. Um, oh. Number five, not really relevant to the calendar, but I um I booked a hotel for Finland last night, and Finland doesn't seem like it's that great. What well, uh, what's wrong with Finland? Well, every hotel I saw had a shared shower. <laughs> like I was just like, oh. so now I booked a hotel an hour away from the track because it had a private bathroom. 
I, I, I really think you should probably kind of go back and look at the type of sites that you're trying to find. <laughs> because i got to be honest, they're not the same ones I use. Anyway, five things I like. Okay. Racing Bali. It's a big, it's a big thumbs up from me. Because... Great hotels. Great I hotels. Bali every year in between the first... In between the two Indonesian rounds, I always go to Bali, as does 99% of the MXGP paddock. And it's always a bit inconvenient having to leave Bali to go to, like, Semarang. So now I just get to stay there. Like, sounds great. I don't know what Bora de Bubba is, but I'm sure it's great. Uh, I thought at first that Bora de Bubba was Bora Bora, but then I realised that isn't in Indonesia. But for a no, little... that's, that's the South Pacific. Yeah, but for a brief period, I was quite excited because I was like, fuck me, Bali and Bora Bora. Uh, let, me, let me tell you this. If there's a GP in Bora Bora, you're not going. Oh. Okay. Fair. It's a it's a 20, I think it's 27 hours flight. You have to get three different planes. Well, that's not for Argentina. Yeah, but this is like a whole a whole nother level. Oh. I went there I went there for my honeymoon. I know I know the place well. Of course you do. You world traveler, you. What was I on? Oh, I was on things I like. Um I'm, I'm very happy that Spain's still on there. Hmm? Were you on things you like? Was the fifth one... Hang on. The fifth Did one was the shared showers in Finland. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yep. Yeah, and then I liked, I liked Indonesia. Um, yeah, Indonesia, Bali, good. Yeah. I actually, I re- I'm very happy that we're, as, of, as of right now, we're not doing the triple headers in a single day format. That's good. Because like, I kind of don't want to do that. I'm, like, it's fine, but I'd quite like to have an authentic, normal championship. So as of yet, that hasn't happened. But I spoke to a few riders last night, and the common conception was that if the calendar gets delayed again, then triple headers are going to have to come out, which makes sense because yeah. it's also quite crammed in now. Speaking of crammed in, um, and perhaps another thing I like, there's still not more than three races back-to-back, which is what we would have in a normal season. So I'm quite impressed that they've managed to work that out. So that's good. That means that it's effectively going to be a normal, structured calendar. Although, I've just seen that there are five races back-to-back in October. Oh, wait, hang on a minute. That's, that's oh, oh, there's eight races back-to-back in September and October. So basically everything you just said is wrong. Well, I didn't, I didn't factor in the Nations. Like The Nations goes into that off-weekend. So Turkey, TBA, Nations, Germany, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy. is all back-to-back. That's all right. I can handle that. I'm fine. Might have to re-look at my hotels, though. <laughs> 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 uh, the, the, uh, other, the other thing, I can actually see you living in Belgium for six months. I don't want to alarm you. I don't see how that's going to really work when the races are in Germany, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy. Well, the reason why I'm saying this is I think you're going to struggle to come back to the UK in between races this year. No, I'm sure they'll like me. Uh, well, there, there, there could be a cost involved, especially if you're, going to Indone- if you're going to Indonesia, you're basically going to have to go into a hotel for two weeks when you come back. Yeah, but I've I've looked, I've already checked that out because yeah, England's now doing the whole Australian thing where you have to quarantine in a hotel. But none of the GP countries are on that list yet. Oh, 
That's the key thing, Lewis. Okay, I think I found a sixth thing that I might not like in a future podcast. Um, no, that's I've I've rambled on enough there. Uh, what are your thoughts, James? Um, it'd be interesting. Obviously, you've got the new Dutch track um, in there, so that would be quite nice, a different place to go to. I'm a bit like you, kind of Russia second round. Um, obviously, they they do like the Russian uh, round in June. I think is some sort of bank holiday or something. Oh, yeah, there, which it's a um. What is it? I think it is a bank holiday, but it's something special. Yeah. It's more special than that. Um, I think it's a bank holiday. Yeah, the um, I mean, we were talking about it in a in a communication channel we have yesterday, and the actual track for the second um, Russian GP looks phenomenal. It's literally a, a you know purpose built built track. Yeah, I was quite annoyed when you were talking to people about that because we've covered that on a podcast. Uh, I was talking to internally with other people from MX Vice. Not other publicly. People, you know, if other people from MX Vice had listened to the podcast, they would have heard us discuss that for 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't about... think other people... People listen to us enough. I don't, I don't think our <laughs> colleagues want to listen to a podcast as well. Uh, I'll tell you, there's two very interesting, sneaky little things that have popped up on this calendar that I don't think would people would notice unless it's pointed out. The Argentina track, Newquin, is gone. But that was always going to be the case, wasn't it? No, they were still under contract. They were on the, I'm pretty sure they were on the original calendar for 2021. Because I'm pretty sure their contract ran out next year. Um, hold on, I'm going to find the original calendar. So I'm almost certain they were on there. I, I can't see China and Argentina going forward anyway. I think that's why they're on there as TBAs, because um, I fully expect the season to, to, to finish for the 31st of October. Yeah, see, um, so on the original calendar, it wasn't now, it's for MXGP of Argentina at, at TBA, whereas before it was the MXGP of Patagonia, Argentina at Newquin. So Newquin's gone, and obviously it's not going to be in Patagonia anymore. Now, there was always rumours that there was a new Argentinian, Argentinian? A new Argentine track in Buenos Aires. So I'm guessing that is where that GP will be. China to Argentina is a bit of a slog as well, isn't it? Yeah. I, I can't see those last two rounds happening. I, re- right, I really can't. Be optimistic for the time being. Jesus. <laughs> the, the, uh, the other one, I'm, I'm, it's nice to see you know, the Sweden and Finland back to back. And I'm guessing that's logistically that's going to be a lot easier for people to go from Finland to, um, to Russia as well. So hence the reason why that's on there. Yeah. But um, yeah, Tushintao, St. John, um, the Spanish track. Have you, have you been there before? <sighs> yes. Yes, I have, James. I can't even pronounce that. I wouldn't even know where that is. Into Exandu Aramoliosius. Oh, Jesus. That's not the um, shopping mall one, is it? Yeah. Oh. I'm just like, how can you forget this stuff? You should really, like, I don't know. Was it? No. Was, was, that was the track which was basically in a car park lot. Which was great. Oh, it had, had elevation. It was a good track. And right now, that is my. If you're thinking about going to a GP outside of the UK, which obviously, you, you if you think about going to a GP, you are because there's no British GP. Um, I yeah. would recommend that one. Yeah, it's 19th of September could be uh, the UK, I reckon. Well, it makes sense. It's the only country missing, but I don't know. I don't think yeah. that's. I think so. EMX Open and EMX Two Stroke. It's got that's got UK written all over it. Now UK is usually two um, fifties, but that wouldn't matter anyway. They're not going to base it around that. But no, 
Yeah, so the new the Argentina Nuquin going is a sneaky little change. And I think that whatever the new track is has got a bit of a tough sell because everyone loves Nuquin. So even if if the new place is considered as good, then that's a win because that's going to be a struggle. But you never know. And the other little sneaky change is the Nations is no longer at Imola. Where is the nation? TBA. Still in Italy, but T- the track is definitely not going to be at Imola. Oh, I didn't even see that. I've seen it down the bottom. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. As I talked about quite a few times in the past, the Nations this year was originally going to be a Majora. And then from what I heard, the way it worked is Imola bought the rights to the Nations off of Majora. So now I, I, look, it's still going to be in Italy. I can't see it being at Mantova. I can't see it being at Ottobiano. I can't see it being at Trentino. So I, in my head, I'm thinking that if it's not going to be Imola, Majora has to be the only other option. That would be good. Interesting with the, the other thing on the calendar, only three 252 straight ranks. Yeah, that was always the plan. I think they only had four this year. That, wow. That, kind of pointless running that series. Well, no, it's kind of like a journeyman series, isn't it? So you don't want to have too many. It's kind of a series. It's, yeah, it's effectively a journeyman series. So. Um, you're not going to have 20 rounds, are you? Like, people just wouldn't do it. You know, five rounds this year. Five rounds, all of them in Italy. Weirdly, if you do the EMX uh, Open, uh, you, you're going to run the, the first three rounds. You finish on 20th of June, and then you pick racing back up the 12th of September. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was weird that Open was at the first three rounds, but... So basically, you've got four rounds, four rounds of Open, but there's people who are going to put money into, into riding this series. It's kind of like... You're going to do the first three rounds, and then that's it. So basically, your, your championship's pretty much over on June the 20th because you've got to wait for one more round in September, and then, and then that's it, basically. Well, if you want me to play devil's advocate, a lot of those riders would be committed to national championships as their number one thing, so that frees up the summer for them to do their normal business. Just, just, just weird. But I guess, I guess it's always going to be... I mean, we're still in, you know, rife with COVID, and we still don't know what's going on. There's probably going to be more changes come in so but hey they're, they're trying to do the best job possible with the the tools they've been given i guess we can we can sit here and pick it apart but it is what it is my biggest surprise is that there are no italian rounds actually locked in that's rare for that like there's not even a track locked in like 31st of october is obviously locked in italy for the time being but for that to not have a track listed is quite strange but but they, they did overutilize um, Italian tracks last year to get them through COVID, didn't they? So I'm just wondering whether if Ustream footed the bill for a lot of those tracks, so maybe they're trying to put the you know the onus on the the other promoters rather than them having to sink a lot of money into Italian tracks. You say that the TBAs you would bet on a TBA being Britain. I would bet on a TBA being a second Italian round. More so. Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Wouldn't. Yeah, I can't promise. Looking at this calendar, I'll be there. I'll be at everyone. Uh, can't promise I'll be in China though. Not in the not in the Wuhan district. No, I've been there. Funny story. I was there in November <laughs> of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny story. I was there in November of 2019. I um, picked up a little tickle in my throat. Didn't think anything of it. Jumped <laughs> on my plane home. And uh, the rest is history. You could say that. No, um, yeah, so, uh, um, to be fair, I'm quite happy with this calendar. I don't really want to wait 100 days, but 
I don't think anyone's going to cater to me on that. So, okay. Um, everybody also, obviously, moving on from MXGP calendar is it is what it is. Um, we had to wait for the announcement, and, and it's great. But there's more important pressing things going on in the world. What people do want to know. Oh God, what? How's Dougie? Oh, no, no one cares about that. And I've just thought about another thing I wanted to say about the calendar. So it was announced this morning that La Capelle is now April the 25th or something, uh, late April, which yep. is bizarre that a preseason race is that late. Like, that's just strange. But anyway, I wonder if the cancelled Hawkstone International is now going to come back alive. Because technically it could in the middle of May, beginning of uh. May. But then would you, can they do that? Like they've, they've cancelled, so would that be a lot of work to uncancel something? I think so. And then the British Championship's going to be starting in the MX Nationals and stuff like that. And it's um, the whole idea is the Hawkstone is the first race of the season, which starts off before any other championships, before any other races. Uh, and that's what is, is predominantly been used for by teams and, and GP riders and people. I, you know, given the organisation which goes into it, um, I can't see it happening. Um, I think they kind of made the decision it's done the other thing as well is the uncertain I mean we're still in lockdown in the UK I mean who knows what's going to happen yeah, I so guess it's so. like you, you kind of you know you, you can't blame the, the club or the, the organising people who are kind of like just thinking do you know what let's just just we don't we don't need it we've got money in the bank um, we'll make it bigger and better um, when we come back in 22 in my, my opinion anyway yeah fair dues fair dues I didn't speak for them. So um, let, let's go back to the point in question. How is Dougie? Because um, people are actually, you know, they want to know. No, no one, no one does. Um, and you, we're not talking about rubbish like that so early on in the podcast. And I, I don't really care myself. So that's ridiculous. The uh, final thing to say about the calendar, I guess, is that, the, as I said last week, it hasn't changed. Uh, the International Italian Championship is still starting the last weekend in February. So... Fear not, there will be racing uh, of kind of like GP racing in three weekends from February to March. So that's something, something to look forward to. Uh, I know that the Yamaha guys are in for some of the rounds. I think Geyser is. Um, I think I saw, uh, I had an entry list, but I've lost it. Hey, how, how are you feeling? Because you're going to have to watch this on TV. Uh, I've never been to the Italian Championship. And I don't really have any kind of hard feelings towards it so well to be fair you're usually in california so you don't really care but this year you're you're you will care because obviously it's a good opportunity for you to go there and you know and you can yeah no i think um i think i'll make my big season debut in os in okay okay keep everyone guessing beforehand stay undercover do my off-season grinding quiet okay uh, and how is the, the grind going? Yeah, it's all right. To be fair, I've got an extra 50 days to fill now. So um, that's not ideal. And any plans for those 50 days? Um, I'll probably complain a lot. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Um, <laughs> that is uh, MXGP dates. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'd first like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, Supercrosslive.tv, Backyard Design UK, Blenzo Oils, and Talon Engineering. 
We'll be back in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at Evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out Liat.com for more. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 58 of the MX Vice podcast show. First part, obviously, we were talking about MX GP's new calendar. We ex- don't expect that to be the finalized calendar. I think last year was a good testament to, to how many changes we had. And with the ever-changing world we're in at the moment, we fully expect a few more. With an air-oil-separated closed cartridge design that is well-known in the MX world, the KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. With all the anodized internal parts and DLC-coated inner tubes, internal friction is reduced to the minimum. By adding a mid-speed valve, the KYB factory kit spring fork can be adjusted over a much broader range. One of the extra features of this factory suspension product is a custom spring collar, which provides more front wheel control and increased comfort on jump landings. You too can experience the best in off-road suspension that is used by the likes of Jeremy Sewer and Ben Watson. Head to technical-touch.com forward slash for more information. So, Lewis, have you got your pen again that you're clicking? Oh, sorry. Yes. I'll put that down. <laughs> I, knew I, I, knew I, I knew I heard something. Um, do you want to get this game over and done with so we can move on to, to proper stuff? Um, yeah, sure. We can do that if you like. Um, the game in reference is obviously... Uh, even strokes are you, presents are you smarter than a birth? Uh, it's a hit. Some would say the greatest part of this podcast. It brings me joy, and it's presented by Even Strokes, which is an online shop with a range of offers on talon wheels, Prox performance parts, and more. Be sure to visit evenstrokes.com for deals on products, especially seeing as everyone who makes a purchase of more than fifteen pound is entered to win a thousand pounds worth of prizes two each month. So. Uh, two weeks ago, 
you got zero marks. A week ago, you got one mark. You need four to pass. So we're way below the breadline. A few people have actually said that they feel for me because the questions are really bad. I think these are really easy. I actually kind of did these and then I was like, I probably should redo them and then I got busy. So okay, I think that I would get all of these, I think. Yeah, no, I would get all of these. Just out there in the world, uh, there's a lot of people that think you're a bit of a douche over these questions. No, but if you ask me these questions, I would get all of them. So you should be able to get a, a couple. Like, Hang I think on. Everyone listening will get these right. But did you just say if I asked you, you'd get them all right? Yeah. Well, of course you would. Because the level that you're on with your um, just focus on motocross. Law of averages says that you should be able to get a couple if I can get all of them. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's just get on with this ridiculous case. Okay, question one. Did Ken Dedeika have more podiums as a Honda rider, oh, a Suzuki God. rider? A KTM rider or a Yamaha rider? Gee, I don't know. Jesus Christ. Did Kenderdijk have more podiums as a Honda rider, Suzuki rider, KTM rider or a Yamaha rider? I'm going to go Honda. Ah, that's incorrect. It's Suzuki. What a strange... I thought you'd go between Suzuki and KTM. No. Because oh. like, you, you surely don't remember Kenderdijk on a Honda. Uh, I think I do, yeah. Well, okay, bizarre. How bizarre. <laughs> Question two. How many podiums does Ken Roxon have in the 450 class in MXGP? In the MXGP? In the MXGP class, how many overall podiums does Ken Roxon have? None. That's incorrect. We were looking for one. He, um... In 2012, he sh- uh, Tushintol was the last round of GPs, and he showed up as a wild card on a 450, even though he was racing a 250 in America, and went 2-2 to Caroli's 1-1, if my memory is correct. Question three. That, that is a ridiculous question. Who's going to even remember that? Quite a few people. Question three. How many overall wins did Billy McKenzie take on a Cass Honda in MXGP? None. That's correct. Well done. That's your first positive answer. One correct, two wrong, two to go. I thought that might trip you up because I thought you might just automatically presume he won in Japan on a cast Honda. No. But Stephen Frossard had two overall victories in the Premier class. What bike was he riding en route to both of those wins? Yamaha. That's correct as well. Well done. Very impressive. That's your two for two. Question five. I'm not very happy with this game. I don't know if you can tell by my tone, but I'm just not happy with it. Question five. List three, three of the numbers that Ken... Ken, Ken, Sorry about that. Question five. List three of the numbers that Kevin Strybos has run in MXGP. He's run six, list three. I don't know. Well, you've already got one. What number is he at the moment? 22. That's one. Well, I have no idea. (laughs) You've got one so far, two to get. What, do you want me to just pluck numbers out the air? Think about it. 
two two two. No. <laughs> two Caroli's number. Yeah, may, well, maybe that's what he had before Caroli. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's ridiculous. Okay. So, what was your ex- what was your other guess? Two. That's correct. One. This two. is such, honestly, people are going to listen to this and just realise that this is such a shit game. One to get. Uh, seven. <laughs> what? Because that was Barrigan's number last week. So yeah. it just carries over. Yeah. No idea. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, no idea. well, that's a shame. But you you ended the game with two correct out of five, uh, five questions. The numbers you could have had were 24. He was 24 in 2005, 2000, no, 2004, 2005, 2006. Uh, four, which was when he was on a birth soon, or however you say it, Suzuki. Uh, 100, which was 2009 on a Martin Honda. Uh, and then you could have had 161, which was GPKR Kawasaki in 2008. Fucking hell, 2008. That's like 13 years ago. 161 is a really strange number for him to pick. Like, I don't even know where that came from. You're, you're I don't think was in his dark days at that point, so I'd imagine he was just like plucking numbers out of thin air. You're like asking me questions about stuff when you were 12. Am I speaking? Am I? I don't even, like, even know what I'd done last week. Honestly, people are going to listen to this and realize that this is such a shit game. Well, you got it's not two, even, you were, all you needed was one more and you got it correct. It's not even coming back next week. Anyway, I you'd remember got... that Strybos was 24 before Simpson took it. I'm ready to debut my new game next week. Yeah, of course you are. I told you, you can't talk about that because you talk about it for the last year and then you never deliver. So we're not, MX Vice isn't about that. MX Vice delivers on its promises. So until you can deliver on your promises, keep your mouth quiet. Okay, so if I get a jingle done and uh, I get everything sorted, um, I can have my game. That would be very classic of you to never get a jingle done for my game, but to get one done for your own. <laughs> well, you're entitled to get a jingle done for your game, but if you don't want to, if you don't put value in your game, then uh, there we go. Well, I, 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 I can start producing a podcast if you like. Um, yeah, well done. Two out of three. That was terrible, really, but well done. It's a terrible game, so it just reflects the effort I put into it. I'm so, you should have got the Dodeica question right. You probably, probably should have got the Roxon question right. So, and you should have got a Strymus one. Why, you why, to... why are we, t- like, why is all the questions based around 2008, 2009? They're not. They are. It was 2012. Every week is always. It was 2011. 13, um, 14 year old questions. It's like. Fucking hell, why don't you just pick, like, three years ago? What, should, what, you want me to say, like, what number did Caroli run last year? Well, I don't know, but just, like, I don't know, just different questions. Fucking numbers in 2008. No, no, I've only on the numbers street, because it's quite... I'm good. not fucking autistic, am I? I can't exactly <laughs> just pick fucking numbers. <laughs> Unfucking believable. <laughs> oh. if, I, if I could do that, I'd fucking... I'd be in Vegas, wouldn't I? Counting cards, not fucking doing shitty numbers on a game. Hey, we're out of time. Thank you for playing. Bollock. Absolute out, bollocks, game. Time. bollocks game. Thanks for playing. Right. I'm going to try and pick this show back up again now. It's just ruined it again. Um, okay. Now we've got that over and done with. We're going to get on with some proper stuff. God, it just, I get so worked up. 
Now, fans' questions. The important part of the show. Liat, ask Vice anything. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Liat has taken another step forward with the introduction of another set of boots to their range. The all-new 4.5. These boots offer many of the features that come with a super successful 5.5 FlexOp boots, as well as advanced technology like the slide lock closure system and extended foot peg riding zone. But at a mid-range price point, 4.5 boots are available worldwide for £254 or €299. There we go. So, Lewis, you ask the questions. The people giveth. At Tom Grimshaw, 61. Hope preparation's going well for the season, Tom. Do you think the GPs will be back to a two-day format or sticking with the one-day? If so, what percentage of the riders do you think will vote two days or one day? Oh, well, we know this now, don't we? At the moment, it's uh, sticking with the two-day format. And as far as what percentage of riders would rather one day over two, Every single rider would rather one day except for Tim Geyser. Really? It's literally 99% of riders like the one-day format. Yeah, in Latvia at a press conference, um, someone asked that question or it got onto that topic somehow, and every single rider up there said, one day, one day, one day. And then Geyser said, which I do agree with, Geyser said, um, this is a world championship, and if you look at F1, MotoGP, and all of that stuff, they're weekend things. So I think MXGP needs to be a weekend thing as well, which I agree with. Yeah, true. I guess both both are valid points. Um, I still think that the whole qualifying thing is is just a nonsense. Um, there, there has to be some reward for trying to crash your brains out in a qualifying race. Um, they, they need to figure that out. Yeah, the reward, um, the reward is... A good gate pick. Yes. Well, still don't think it's worth it. Uh, at Phil White one nine two, who's going to be the fastest four fifty factory Yamaha rider next year? The Hoff, surely. On that note, is the Hoff going to have Rhino by his side ever again? That was a cool combo. It's, we're back to this, are we? Well, as you're good friends with the Hoff. Um, and you're, you're very close. What do you think? What's he been talking to you about? Can we just give Sewer some credit, people, please? Like, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, I don't know where this is coming from. Again, I just, I just... 2014, uh, MX2 class. Sewer's first year in the World Championship. Sewer beat Glenn Coldenoff. Coldenoff was out of injury, but still. Uh, 2015, they were in different classes, which actually kind of makes the rest of my points uh, a bit moot. Until we get to 2018, when Coldenoff beat Sewer by one position. Then 2019, Sewer Vice World Champion. 2020, Sewer Vice World Champion. Like, like the Hoff, surely. Like, why not Sewer, surely? No? No? And can I just throw a little Ben Watson hat into the ring here as well? I think Phil's entitled to, to say the Hoff. I, That's just your opinion. That's Phil's I just, opinion. I feel like we need, like, okay, I guess if we're talking about fastest as far as raw speed, like, rather than results. But no, because Sue's, fa- Sue's not like... 
it's way too early for me to be getting worked up about this. I, I just think um, probably Phil's probably looked at things like the nations when we see a different type of a Glenn Holdenhoff. Are you trying to poke me? No, not trying to poke you at all. I'm just saying that we were there at Redbud when he absolutely obliterated everybody. And everyone at that, in that paddock was just like, wow. <sighs> uh, just, I, just, I, just can't, I just can't deal with these questions. I will, I will happily have a conversation about how Cold North and Sewer are going to be quite close. But I can't have a conversation about Cold North being miles ahead of Sewer. I just can't. I'm sorry. Also, what's the dynamic going to be like under the awning? I think both of them. friendly people, to be fair. Like, all, everyone under that, that'll be a good time under that awning, I think. Like, when you think about it, compared to previous years, I think all of those riders will kind of get along well and have a, have a great old, grand old time. Okay. Okay, they're all going to be friends. Speaking of, Ben Watson looks very fast in his latest Instagram video. Okay. Feeling good about my 50 quid bet. Uh, 50 quid bet? 50 quid bet at this, at this point. What was the bet again? Uh, I said that he'd get one podium this year and you said zero. Because you're okay. a bit of a dickhead. Yeah. Are you still on the Watson watch, are you? It's not the Watson watch. It's the Watson, ba- no, the Watson wagon. Well, it's interesting you call it the Watson wagon because in the, uh, the court papers that were issued to you for stalking, uh, it didn't actually say Watson wagon, did it? I don't know what that means. Okay, next question. I think we better leave it there. At Leeford, is Lewis still involved with MXGB Media? <laughs> uh, will they start the season without fans? I guess Are I you still involved it. with MXGB um, Media? I had, a, I had a good year with the ACU. It exceeded my expectations, and I think I exceeded their expectations. And obviously, when, they, when the series got bought, I guess you'd say, or the rights got bought, um, obviously it was up to someone else who to effectively put someone in that position. And that person, RHL, already had people for that position. So I um, packed up my things and went on my merry way. But no, it's no it was nothing wrong with that. Um, if it was still the ACU series, then I'd kind of have no doubt that I'd still be there because we were making tracks. So I'm not involved, probably for the good thing, because I can't imagine having that on my plate at the moment as well. And I don't know if they'll start a season without fans, but you would think so. Interesting. Yeah. Do you, I, I'm kind of leading to you, do you because I know you had a conversation not too long ago, James. Do you miss MXGB uh, being at the heart of, of the ACU? The I, feel like we were really, I feel like last year, even though there was no racing, we were really making a step forward. So I'm, Let, Let's I'm clarify really, this. When you say we, you're not on about me and you, are you? Because you're just no, about we as in you and the ACU. Me and my ACU partnership. Right, okay, yeah. Because let's face it, I was not involved in any of this. Well, why would you be? You're not good at media. <laughs> um, no, such, um, a, <laughs> such a dick. Uh, <laughs> that one took a little while to simmer, didn't it? <laughs> fuck you. Honestly, fuck you now. Um, uh, what have I no, created? I was... I was um, even, there was no racing last year, so it was tough. But even without racing, I felt like we made such a step forward and my only disappointment is that I never got an opportunity to do some of my plans for the British Championship races because had I unleashed some of my ideas, um, 
for social media and stuff, then I think everyone would have been kind of amazed. But hey-ho. yeah, but the the riders did go about did go against the whole um, shirtless photographs, didn't they? Ah, what you hilarious. You next question. Okay, uh, at Chris Matthews, any plans on running a Vice MXGP Fantasy League? Yes. I think we're Absolutely. doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, a little update from, from, from our side. Uh, obviously, uh, the best way of describing trying to do uh, an MXGP fantasy game in COVID was an absolute clusterfuck. So that would be the technical term I would put to it. Uh, it just turned into an absolute freaking nightmare. But what we done was uh, everybody's getting their MX... I think they're being posted out this week. Kits, I think FXR kits have gone out, a few different bits and pieces, uh, some talons. So, so basically, everybody's got prizes from this year. Uh, our intention is to roll over... The bike to next year, we've given away a thousand pound voucher for uh, to spend on even strokes. Um, and yeah, we're gonna, but we're gonna have a little bit more control over it rather than uh, working with lots of different companies and in, in, in being reliant on those companies. We kind of feel we need to take the control back in house so that we can make sure the prizes go out in, in bits and pieces. So uh, all the prizes are going to be done this year by um, even strokes and and its partners. So. Uh, there's going to be about thirty thousand prizes uh, up for grabs in 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 value monetary terms. The game is going to be back. Has obviously had a little overhaul. I think Lewis is going to be doing some um, uh, a few changes he wants to. I've kind of just said let let him loose because I'm I'm you know just let's see it evolve. But uh, the good news is MX Vice is having a massive massive redesign. So this will all sit quite nicely. Um, You'll be able to literally get, dive into uh, riders' bios, their forum, their results, everything. So there's going to be a huge, huge Wikipedia on the site of all the riders, their results over the years, and everything else, which you're going to be able to, to use. Uh, loads of little statistical graphs, which uh, Lewis gets very turned on about. I will say that last year, MX Manager was very stressful, and it probably took five years off my life. Genuinely, almost like I, I was, I was so close to breaking over it last year. Um, so this is back this year, and I need everyone's positivity to bring me back to the positive frame of mind with it, because it it really broke me last year. The, the great thing is, is um, I'm looking at this as a great opportunity to wield the knife in further because I'm going to absolutely batter you this year on MX Manager. Well, batter. I didn't even I don't even know how I did last year because I was too busy trying to fix it nonstop. Yeah. So yes, it will be back. It will be better. It will be awesome. And yes, prizes going straight out of our warehouse to you. Quick turnarounds and everything's hunky dory. So um, yeah, I, do you know what? If if there's some things that you would like to see in MX Manager, you'd like to see it evolve. If if you've got any feedback you want to give then honestly, send a, an email to lewis.phillips at mxvice.com and uh, he would really appreciate the, uh, you know, the feedback on this to, to, to improve it. So if a lot of people are all saying the same thing about how they want it sort of, you know, to do this or, or, or do that, then we'll, we'll make it happen. We've got a full-time full uh, development team now which uh, look after the website for us and um, are constantly evolving it. 
So cool. Great question, by the way. Uh, at Jack L. Hyde, extending on my question from last week, how do you think social media has changed journalism in motocross? To me, it seems the quantity of media has increased, yet quality suffers. A good percentage seem to be summaries of what was published on Instagram. Where are the stories? This is a bloody good question because I had a, a slight rant yesterday uh, on Twitter. So I do apologize um, for those people who follow me on Twitter because um, now and again, there are little outbursts from when I see things. And it just feels like um, Lewis will be telling me to edit this from the podcast. I think I can. Um, um, I think I can. I think I should take over at this point, shouldn't I? As go on then. Go on then. As, as the editor, as the journalist, as the person who has their finger on the button. Go. Well... I would just say, I, I tell you what, it just sounded like someone was trying to break into my house. Weird. Um, might be the Russians. Um, I I struggle with this a lot because... Why would it be the Russians? I don't know, because I, I don't like it. I struggle with this a lot because, yes, riders now control their own news. So that's that's changed and that can't be unchanged. Like riders and teams control their own news and that just is never going to change. So that's done. That's got that's the way it is and that's the way it's got to be. Like I knew about Max getting injured before Houston, obviously before it came out. So I could have gone on MX Vice and broken it and like it would have been a good story that no one knew about and like blah blah blah. But the team wanted to do an Instagram post first. So I had to wait for the team to do an Instagram post. And then effectively, all I was doing was reporting on the Instagram post, even though I knew it all along. So like, so, but that's just a way the dynamics change now. And I, I often get like a bit, I often get a bit like confused with it because I think that one thing that I need to get better at is I often think that a lot of people know stuff when they don't. Like, there'll be a lot of times when I'll be thinking about something, and I'll be like, oh, that's common knowledge, everyone knows that, when actually it's only common knowledge to, like, 3% of fans. Like, so I need to get better, I need to get out of the mindset of everyone knowing everything, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know why, how I've ended up in that. But I think just because of social media, again, like, I just presume that because if, like, uh, well, someone would have seen something about that on Instagram. Well, I, I think um, that that is a, that, that is one of the most valid things you've ever said, because... You're absolutely consumed by motocross and and media and everything that's going on. Where average Joes like me and, and, and other people listening to this podcast, there there are many other factors in in life during the day that you know you have to think about or you're doing or whatever. So we don't take in every little aspect. So you're quite right. You you take it for granted because you do you you are consumed by everything because that's your job. Um, but other people are, are not exactly the same. Like a perfect example is um, when the Monticelli news finally came out, I got the email and I kind of like what normally if that was a big bit of news that no one knew about or I thought no one knew about, I'd rush to get it on the site. And I kind of was like, oh, everyone knows about that. That's ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. But then when I put it on the site, loads of people were clicking at, clicking at, clicking it. And loads of people were like um, surprised that Monticelli had signed with Kawasaki. And I was just like, I thought everyone knew this. That that could be our Planet Moto bombshell of the week. What, clicking, mate? <laughs> <laughs> but no. And additionally, on the where are the stories, I need to. I it is my goal this year to get back to that because last year with the, well, 
to be fair, I, I say it's kind of my fault. It kind of isn't. Like last year with the triple headers, I just didn't have time to write about the races because there was a one-day turnaround. It was obviously tighter than the Supercross triple headers because you had a second day of racing. So like EMX was on, like you'd have a race on Sunday and then, wait, well, how can I remember how it went now? Either way, it was, there was just a lot going on. So this year, I look forward to getting back to writing stories. And um, there's actually a great story on MX Vice at the moment where I took the stats from every MX2 world champion ever, broke it down to determine who was the strongest MX2 world champion in history. Wow. Took a while. Uh, I'm not surprised. Um, how long is the article? Uh, 3,000 words. But it's interesting because this is, I can be like, this is going to go places this year because, like, the worst, um, like, okay, uh, Jordi Tixier, when he won the 2014 title, he had an average moto finish of 4.35, so round that down to fourth. And yep. Tixier was one of the least dominant or expected world champions. So that kind of says that. That kind of you can kind of make assumptions based on that when looking at the title fight this year and like what a rider like Moostike would have to do to be in title contention. I'm actually working on kind of a follow up at the, at the moment where instead of ranking the MX2 World Champions, I take these details for all of the title contenders this year so that we can see who stacks up best in what category. For instance, actually, I'll go on a little bit. I'll go off. I'll go on a little bit here. Brace One of the interesting things to come from this MX2 World Champions article that I did is um, Herlins was the most dominant MX2 World Champion. Shock. Uh, in his two best title-winning seasons, which were 2013 and 2016, in 2013, he had an average starting position of 3.48. So third, but almost fourth. And in 2016, he had an average starting position of 2.67. Good enough. Well, that's quite good for Herlins. Yeah. Prado, in his 2019 season, had an average starting position of 1.4. So, wow. But that's interesting because you look at that now and you're like, you can apply that to MXGP this year. Because that right there says, okay, Prado, that is, we found Prado's strength. I mean, we knew it, but we have the stats now to say, well, if he's going to be starting on average two positions ahead of Hurlins, that's going to leave Hurlins with work to do. Yeah. Um, and no. another, one of the most interesting things to... I'm going to sneeze, so I'm bracing you for that. Okay. Um, Did you fart at the same time? No. Uh, another interesting thing to come from this article is uh, Ben Townley in 2004. His stats weren't that great because he had so many DNFs. He, um, he didn't score points in six of the motos which is unheard of for a champion. He didn't score points in six of the motos and still won a championship by 116 points. Like, what was everybody else doing? Is that like, that, it doesn't matter. That is the Planet Moto bombshell of the week. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better. And you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible, Visit planetmoto.co for more information. Sorry for the interruption. Ben Townley, how? Yeah, um, but then it also pulls it back around because it makes sense. It, at the GPs, when he finished both motos, he won, that, he won that GP every time except for one. So he was dominant. But 
unfortunately, he's lower on the rankings because his DNFs um, hurt his stats and his average. Damn anyway, you. I don't want to spoil it too much. I don't want to spoil it too much. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great article. I will put that on my to-do list. Okay. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll leave that one there. <laughs> I, I agree with what Jack L. Hyde is saying. And I want to be the change. Especially in yeah. Europe. Because in Europe, it is just all... It's just everyone... Anyone who wants to start a website starts a website and they rip stuff from Instagram. That's pretty much how it goes. It's not so much that in America because, I don't know, I, I don't actually know the answer to that. But um, no, I will deliver what the people want, Mishu. You're welcome. That's good. I, my little rant yesterday was just about um, that it just feels like there's nobody seems to work hard anymore or nobody seems to to want to innovate or whatever. It, they literally just come to our website in in, in copy and paste. It's, no, it's, it's not so much copy and paste. It's just that like, if I put something on MX Vice, it kind of appears on a lot of every, other websites within 10 minutes, which bugs but that's me. Not, it's just so lazy. I mean, obviously, you look at it and just think, well, great, uh, we set an example to... to you know, uh, a few people or or supposed to be, you know, it's UK media, big, though it's not European media. Big big publications. Anyway, okay. We went through years though with of uh, European publications literally just translating all our articles. Well, European, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's an Italian website which an Italian uh, in GP said to me, "You do realise that this website is basically MX Vice, but in Italian." So I went on it and went on Google Translate, and everything I was, every interview I was doing at GPs, there was a French guy as well. Yeah. I, was, like, I was doing my post-race podcast at GPs, which cost quite a lot of money to produce, considering I'm flying to Indonesia, and then transcribing them all. And this this French bloke. Was copy was copy and pasting them, translating them into his own language, and putting them on his own website. And then when I finally got to the bottom of it, we spoke to him in France, and he genuinely didn't understand what the problem was. He didn't, he didn't credit us. He literally just took the interview that I'd done, translated it to French, and was like, "I don't understand. I don't understand what your what your issue is." And well, he's dead now. Um, There's a lot of yeah. It's not just one or two. It's, it's, it's it happens so much. It's just a real shame because. Like you say, uh, Jack L. Hyde's hit the, the nail on the head. It's, there's a massive quantity of, of media, yet the, the quality, you know, isn't isn't there. But you know, we can moan, we can we can talk about it. It'll never change. We'll just keep doing what we do, and and um, others will will do what they they do. But I think that's like anything in life, isn't it? It's kind of like uh, the China syndrome, where um, everybody kind of innovates and, and creates these um, fantastic products. And then basically China mass produces it and and that's it. So it is that's that's the equivalent of what we're going through with media at the moment. Uh right, we're gonna take a little break. You are listening to Leah Ask Vice Anything Questions. Brought to you by Fly Racing, Leah, Planet Motor Holidays, Props Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, Supercrosslive.tv, Backyard Design UK, Blenzo Oils, and Talon Engineering. Those are the guys that enable us to do what we do. Thanks to ongoing support from those companies and those people who get behind us every single week. We'll be back in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. 
Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Final part of the MX Vice Show is brought to you by Talon Engineering, the industry leaders in aftermarket wheels and sprockets. Teams like Rockstar Energy, Factory Racing in the USA, Rocky Mountain ATV, MC KTM, Build Base Honda, and more put their trust in the same wheels that you can get your hands on. Get more Talon information at talon-eng.com. This is it, the final one. Final one for this week of episode 58. We're just going through the Liat Ask Vice Anything questions. Went on a little bit of a rant now with the whole media thing. Thanks, Jack L. Hyde, for sending that one in. Are we still sending out T-shirts or... or no, we still Because you just were incompetent. Oh, that'd be it. Mm, that's a shame. Okay, at Aaron Azza 22, should every Supercross last round have a halftime show like the Super Bowl? I'd, I've, you, you know what? Supercross is fine. But I feel like MXGP can use some of this. I've said this a million times, but... You have. I guess I don't need to say it again, do I? No, it's fine. You crack on. Well, I, I just feel like MXGP needs to have opening ceremonies and like a bit of a flair about... Like, play the national anthem of the country we're in. Um, have a bit of flair about... Like, have a bit of a, that flair, that American Supercross flair. But my, what do I know? You don't. So yeah. um, should should uh, Supercross have something like that? I, I, I oh, guess it's... Supercross does a good job. Like when it was in Vegas, the, the fighter jets flew over the stadium in line with opening ceremonies. Like one, one too shabby. What about a seven douche douche doing a, a rap at halftime or something? Oh, I could I could live without that, but. We could get uh, what was, was Edgar Torrentes. He could come over and do that helicopter thing. Oh God! Don't remind me. Fucking hell! We've seen it, Edgar. We've seen it. <laughs> Can you remember when we had to go into arena crossing? It was like literally the, the first time. Was like, yeah, that's cool. 
Second time, I was like, fucking hell. Third time, it was like, Jesus. Well, see, even now, you go to Geneva, and it's like, oh, here he is. I wonder what he's going to do. Oh, helicopter. Like, we did it, Edgar. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, oh, God. And I bet you just know, didn't you? You just know, Nick, at the end of this year or next year, these events are going to come back, like the Genevas and that. And off he'll, he'll walk out with his little helicopter noise. And you, I still would have seen it before. Swiftly moving on, Ash Grant Jones, 36. <laughs> what advice would you give someone wanting to get a job in the motocross industry? Ooh, that's a good question. Different types, I guess. Is there a mechanic side or a media yeah, side? Yeah, well, I think the rule that would apply to everything would be don't overvalue yourself. Almost don't value yourself at all. Like, you, you're, not walking, you're not walking into a job of any kind and getting paid well and being treated like you're the boy. You're just not. Like you, whatever job it is, you're going to have to start shoveling shit, basically. Like it's just not, it's just not going to start how you dream of it starting. You've got to have a big picture plan of like five years, maybe three years, but like it's just never going to be what the dream, the job you're dreaming of right now can happen. It really can. But three or four years down the line, you've got to put in some hard slog. First of all, because that's just the way the industry works. You don't get new people pop up who are paid well and respected. It's just a, a cycle of people work, constantly working their way up the pecking order. To be fair, that's, that's like most jobs, though, Lewis. That's like most jobs and opportunities out there. You, you, have, to, if you, you have to start off somewhere to work your way up to where you want to be. Yeah, but but it's, it's true. It's, but I guess in this respect, I more mean like you're not going to you're not going to be traveling to every GP. If you want to be a mechanic, you're not going to be traveling to every GP. First of all, you might just be working in the workshop and like, you might not even really have anything to do with a ride. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, like, and that's blatantly not what people dream of, but that can lead somewhere. I think this is, uh, there, there was a, a guy, uh, who was a mechanic. Um, he came over from America. He then the whole, uh, I can't remember what that, um, that whole activation program for mechanics is called in America, but he'd done that. Know. Yeah, something like that. He'd done that. And then he approached uh, JWR um, and he'd done a year with, uh, or a year or two years with JWR, kind of, you know, proving himself. I think he was Strybos's mechanic. And then um, Henry Coughlin, his name. And then he went on to become, he went to Factory Yabaha uh, and he was Arnold Tonus' practice mechanic. And then obviously he's he's gone back to Sweden now because he he's been doing that for a few years. But that gives you an an idea of how how many years it took to get onto like a factory team. And that's pretty quick. But even still, he was a practice mechanic. He wasn't a, a chief mechanic or whatever. You'd have had to take time to work his way up um, through that scenario. And I think it's the same with 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 media. I think it takes even longer. Um, you have to prove well, yourself. You have to establish when I first started talking to you, if I'd come in and said, I want to do every GP, I, I believe I can do every GP this year and we'll kill it. You would have been like, well, you can fuck right off. That's exactly the, the, uh, the answer I'd give. Like the per- well, the perfect example of this, I don't know if I've ever said this, the first journalism gig I had was writing about grass seeds. <laughs> I remember this. Have I said this on the show? 
You haven't said it on the show, but we've talked about it. It was funny. Oh, so, well, so as I've said a million times, I always wanted to work in this industry and do this job. I just knew it all along. So I always, I based my life choices around that. So when we, I was doing work experience in year 11 in high school, obviously the school hooks you up with work experience. And they said, Lewis, what do you want to do? And I was like, journalism. Well, sports journalism, ideally, but journalism, essentially. So they were like, right, we've got you a placement for a week. It's with this bloke, a little creepy. I was like, all right, sounds great. And they were like, you don't have to bring your own laptop. They've got a computer that they'll supply you. And I was like, oh, right, that sounds all right. So I got there. It was a little man in an office, which was one room, just him. And he, his business was, he was somehow a journalist for a grass magazine. And he reviewed <laughs> grass seeds. And it gets weirder because I got there and he had no internet. He had an internet for his laptop, but no other internet. So I was sat on a laptop. I can't remember how old it was. It was like a very, it was a very old Windows. I remember that. And it basically had notepad on it. And that was it. And it had no internet. So I just sat there all day with no internet whilst he basically got on with his work and ignored me. And then um, he was like, and then he did his, he did an interview over the phone and he was like, this will be good experience for you. And I was like, all right, mate, that's fine. We'll do that. And I was like, right, can I record it on my phone and then I'll play it back and type it? And he was like, no, that's not how you do things. You, you have to write it out as they speak. And I was like, pardon? So then this woman was talking about grass seeds and I, and I was furiously writing with a pen, trying to make out everything she was saying and obviously had nothing to go back on. And then I wrote a lovely little article about grass seeds. Wow. The man took me to a grass place. And laid you down? What? He was writing a feature or something, so we, we actually had to go to a place for, like, research. Um, was this with your shirt on or off? Uh, on at that point. Um, okay. Reese, uh, yeah, there was this woman who was really proud of her grass or something, and I just remember being there and having to act mildly impressed when she was like, oh, if you look at how this has grown, we're like, wow, I've never seen anything like it, mainly because it's shit. I'd love to see you impressed with grass. And then on the last day, as if it, if it, as if it doesn't get weirder, the last day, I think the guy's name was like Gertin or something. On the last day, I walk in and I'm like, fuck me, this is it, I'm out of here. I'm fuck journalism, this is fucking shit. <laughs> um... This is great advice. Uh, Grant James, 36. Uh, I hope you listen to this. And I walk in and on my desk in the little work experience room was two packets of grass seeds. Then he said, you've earned this. Like, well, like, thanks for your work this week. There's just a little present for you there. So I turned around expecting maybe like grand in cold hard cash. And it was just two packets of grass seeds. And I was like, no, thank you. Like, oh, no. I, actually, I, I get that wrong. There was two packets of grass seeds and a timeout bar, which is a chocolate bar. Wow, you definitely got shortchanged on your. Uh... <laughs> and I genuinely was just like, I don't understand. Hey, maybe it's a life lesson in there. So, like, like an acorn would grow into a mighty oak. You would plant your grass uh, for whatever. But yeah, um. I got back to school and they went, how was the bloke? And I said, absolutely fucking terrible. And they went, right, we won't send anyone back there then. So I was literally just a guinea pig. <laughs> um, am I allowed to call that Blenzel Oil's performance of the week? No, I did do quite well. I won a grass seed. <laughs> fucking hell. 
So, uh, Grant Jones, 36, if you're still listening to the show, um, there we go. It's a little bit of advice. On, um, did, was there actually any advice in, in that at all? Yeah, I said at the beginning, you've just got to start from the bottom, have very low, ex- not low expectations, but like temper your expectations. Just basically, the best thing to do is throw yourself at a company and be like, I will do anything. Whatever it takes, you name it, I will do it. I think um, I can kind of relate to that with, uh, before uh, MX Vice, I had an agency and we never once looked at, um, and it is, sounds crazy and probably not great advice for if there's any kids out there listening, but um, it was a web agency. We were interested in people who were very good at coding, especially front-end development, back-end development. Uh, not at once did we look at uh, whether anybody had any formal education or uh, qualifications. All we were interested in is could you basically do the job? And even if you had an interest in, in coding, if it was someone that we could kind of work with, we would bring you in on a, on a lower salary and, and build you up over a time period. We'd invest in you. And I think that's a lot to be said with how we run uh, MX Vice as well. If there's anybody out there who can can show us something, we're willing to invest in you, but you have to be um, in the same mindset as what what we are, is that everybody starts at the bottom and, and you're in here and you have to prove yourself. And I think that's probably the same for places like RacerX and in, in, in other places which uh, you know employ uh, the next generation. I'd say, thing, I'd say another thing to bear in mind is it isn't as, um, it isn't as like, it's hard, it's hard. You, can, you need to work your way from the bottom and no matter how high you get, never think that it's going to be a nine to five job. Like you have to sacrifice a lot. Like it's not, it's, it's amazing in some aspects, but it's also, you do have to sacrifice a lot at any job in this industry because yeah. it does become your life. Like, yeah. Um, going to Bali, uh, joke, all jokes. Haha, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 But like there's some sketchy times. Like I almost got kidnapped by a Turkish car rental company in 2019. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, these these things do happen. Oh, that story. He doesn't, he, he doesn't make it up. Honestly, these things. I've been with him when these things just happen to him. And, and it, right, I'll tell that story quickly. I'll tell that okay. story. So it was. Um, you didn't go to Turkey that year, so that meant that, like, effectively, if James ever, well, it's not so much now, but before, if James went to a GP, James kind of handled stuff. And then if James wasn't at a GP, I, I would have I, I basically done all the adult stuff. Yeah, now I have to do it all, whether James there or not. Um, so I've never been to Turkey, kind of knew it was probably a little sketchy in spots, but uh, whatever. Um, found the airport closest to the track. Uh, couldn't, a lot of the rental cars were sold out. So I found that a company came up on Google that was at the airport. And yeah, so I booked a car with them. Happy days. Uh, I got there, landed at the airport looked around the rental car centre and was like, oh, it's not here. That's weird. So then I went to the policeman. Randomly, it was a policeman. I didn't mean to. It just the first person I saw was a policeman. So I was like, have you ever heard of this company? And he was like, no, I've never heard of that. And I was like, well, that's a red flag. That is a red flag. So then I, um, I rung the company and they, I can't remember what they said, but essentially the crux of it was they said someone is coming to pick you up. And I was like, all right. And I was like, well, where's the car rental place? And they said 30 minutes away. And I was like, hang on. Hang on. This, okay, this sounds a bit sketchy, but we'll go with it. So then, out of nowhere, this, I'd say probably 
29-year-old, rocks up in effectively what was a Vauxhall Corsa with three of his mates in the car, <laughs> sees me, says, get in. And I was like, sorry? Bearing in mind, we also had a lot of luggage and there was more than one of us. So he told the two, our two videographers, Sean and Wes, he told them to get in the boot. And I was like, hang on, this does not sound fucking legal. So I called the policeman again. I sort of, I said to the policeman, no joke, right? This is out front of the airport. The policeman who I previously, actually, no, I forgot a key part of this story. After I rung the Turkish rental car company, I was near the policeman and I, I hung up and I said to the policeman, this sounds weird. Can you keep an eye out? Because I was already like, I do not feel comfortable with this. So then anyway, out the front, when they were telling me to get in the car and they were, I was like, I just said, no, I'm not getting in the car. Fuck that. Like, I don't know where you're going to take me. And they were getting proper, like, get in the car. You've booked a car with us. Get in the car. So I I, tried, I went, please, man, hey, sort this out for me. <laughs> <laughs> and the policeman, I don't really know what he did. He did it in Turkish, but he got them to go away. Wow. Wow. But, yeah, these things do happen uh, to Lewis. So um, I've been around the world with him quite quite a few different places. And, yes. None of this is made up. This does happen to him. But I live to tell the tale. Wow. Um, So I think we're still on Grant Jones 36 for that question. At Dan Evans 525, what are your thoughts on the 250 class at the moment in Supercross? Lapping up to fifth place, it seems that after all the injured riders in the class, that Craig, Nichols, Shimoda and Lawrence could crash for a slap and still get a minimum fourth place finish now. It's not great, is it? Well, Dan's cracked here, but it's not. It's not any fault with. Um, it's not any fault of the series or anything. It just the problem is it's not just the the like elite riders that have got injured. It's the the meat of the class has got injured. So the Jess Pettis's, the Enzo Lopes, the um, oh, there's a third name I had on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, Dylan Woodcock. Not quite, but those level of riders who sit between your factory riders and your privateers are all gone. So that means the buffer has been taken out, essentially. Then add in the injuries to the lead riders, and the privateers have been bumped up. But it is what it is. Um, 2014, East Coast was similar. That was rough, and that started off great as well. Um, 2014 East Coast was Cincerello's first year. Cincerello, Davalos, and Baggett were sweeping a podium more often than not. And it was like a really good, strong series. All three of them got injured and it was just wiped out. So, yeah. No, it's, it happens from time to time. Um, we've seen an extra team. And How many people would be kicking themselves there that they didn't get into this series? And we're just like, oh, I could be getting sevenths. And oh, yeah. Well, like, if um, the new. Lincoln Mains. The West Coast starts next weekend, uh, Orlando too. And um, riders who probably were gonna, are going to finish 13th in those main events probably could get a fourth or fifth if they're lucky wow. on East Coast. But it's just the way it goes. Like, yep. It's luck of the draw, really, isn't it? it who is, knows? Yeah. The West Coast could be decimated with injuries just as much. Like, There's no way of telling. Yeah, there, there we go, Mr. Pessimistic. Uh, <laughs> at C. Wilkins 100, no joke, what is going on with Blake Baggett? What the f- is going on? I reckon he'll retire. But who knows? No one knows. All I know is that he did actually post on Instagram the other day with, with a photo of his family. And I think he just put my world and that was it. So 
No, no wow. one knows. But I would bet on him. If I was in Vegas, I would bet on him retiring. Wow. Just, I don't mean know anything, but I'm just putting the facts, like the pieces of the puzzle together. Like, if he wants to come back racing, who is he going to race for? There's not really any spots. And even for next year, you'd imagine that most teams would go for younger up-and-coming riders and bag it who would still demand a hefty paycheck, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. I do. Who, know, who knows what's going to happen, but... Taking taking a year out of Supercross is is, is not going to be great for um, year to year after trying to still get a ride. So, uh, last question at Greg underscore Wilcox twenty eight. What do you think will happen to the Baker's Factory when Alden retires? Will it keep going? Well, at the moment, Alden has trainers beneath him, um, Mike Brown and Seth Rerick. So. If Alden ever decides he doesn't want to be a part of the day-to-day thing, I'd imagine that they would step up and Alden would still oversee things as far as like just making sure that the right programs are being put in place. I'd imagine it will keep going though. Like I guess I would I presume that the like putting Seth Rerick in there was a way to deal with the two fifty riders and like the riders who aren't on the elite program that Osborne and Musquin and Webber on. But also, it's kind of a good succession program. So, the whole thing's interesting. Um, I am going to give, uh, for the first and last time, the Blenzel Oils Performance of the Week to you, Lewis. Okay. I think you've been quite entertaining today, and uh, the turkey story actually uh, tipped the scales for me. I'd just like to say, in case, because I'm sure someone's going to call bullshit on that story and be like, well, how did you get about? Uh, I got taxi. So, that weekend, we got taxis to and from the track which is another story in itself because it's not so hard to it's not so easy to call a turkish taxi to a motocross track but you you've done that a few times as well uh in indonesia but you have to in indonesia you just can't yeah. renting cars just isn't a thing in indonesia so you have to call a taxi which has also put 10 years on my life for over 60 years blenzel racing caster has been a secret choice for many championship winning riders and engine builders from top tuners like Terry Viner and factory-level riders like Mike Alessi, who won the 2020 Two-Stroke World Championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original Green Label Racing Caster to the 455 Ultra or the Versatile Gold Label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Uh, that's it. That was the Ask Vice Anything Liat questions. Very entertaining this week. Um, and uh, kudos to uh, my co-host here, uh, Lewis Phillips, for that uh, entertaining conversation. As always, we would like to thank the great companies behind us. Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, Supercrosslive.tv, Backyard Design UK, Blenzel Oils, and Talon Engineering. If you do get a chance, pop over to evenstrokes.com. We do have some fantastic offers on this week, including Motorex, use code Motorex10, and you will get 10% off all Motorex products. Plenty of bargains on there. Check out Facebook, check out Instagram, check out Twitter. There's plenty of information on there on how you can save money for your racing this year. That's it, Lewis. We're back next week. 
Uh, and hopefully the world's still turning, COVID's still going, more vaccines are being done, and motocross is taking a step closer to uh, us actually getting out and other people getting out on two wheels. Yeah, I don't know what I was just thinking. Um, how far away actually is the Italian Championship? But that's two weeks Sunday. So in two weeks, we'll have a lot of Italian talk to do. Yeah, the the Italian uh, series, though, has never been a great um, indicator, has it, for the season ahead? That's one thing I've always took for it. Yeah, I've always... Because Guadagini had a bit of a starring role, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, and um, we knew that that was a good indicator of what he was, uh, you know, he could do. But um, it's been few and far far between with performances in Italy and then kind of trying to get any type of data from that for the for the season ahead because it never quite works out. No, I disagree. Because oh, okay. I've just pulled up the that's, results from last year. That's a shocker. Um, guys have won it last year, so that was quite a good indication. Yeah. Evans, Mitch was doing well. Yeah, Evans I remember Mitch doing well. Virtual, which yeah. didn't really translate, but was it did translate as far as speed, like because we saw at Matali that he had the speed, so we were like we kind of knew that was coming based on the Italian championship. Wasn't Still he leading the races though as well? I'm sure Evans yeah, I think Evans was leading the races, which gave us a good indication. Yeah, then behind Evans it was Sua de Sal, Jazaconis, Monticelli. So I feel like that kind of is the order you would expect those riders to come across the line in. Yeah, still still not great. Yeah. Like MX2 was Gertz, Watson, Renault, Guardaganini. Again, that's kind of the order you'd put those in pre-season. Um, yeah. Right, there we go. Right, we're done for a week. We'll be back in seven days. Uh, if you're bored, uh, listen to some of the previous podcasts. Uh, I'm sure there's some good ones there. You have to work quite hard to find them, but I'm sure they're okay. That's it. We're out. Uh, we'll be back in seven days. Thank you, everybody, for listening. See ya. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. 
The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to YokoEurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. The MX Vice Show. 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 Show